0: It's Unnecessary Roughness.
1: I think it's been competitive every single day. We know the paths are coming on within the next what, tomorrow. So I think it's just been getting better every single day as far as the competitiveness level. You know, every time we go out there, we, we compete with those guys and, you know, they compete against us. So definitely going up higher. I think it's just a level of comfort that we're all getting trying to, you know, we get through the first week of camp and, you know, still learning each other, still learning how to play with each other. So, you know, yeah, it's been great.
0: This is Unnecessary
2: Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. Cornerback Q, Q. Brandon Faison met with the media earlier today. That was what he had to say right there. He's a guy who returns to the silver and black after a year away. He was... With the team in 2021, went to Indianapolis in 2022. Now he's back for 2023, and he was a guy Dave Ziegler made a priority. They liked what they saw from him at the end of the 2021 season, didn't have a chance to bring him back as he went on to the Indianapolis Colts, followed Gus Bradley, the Raiders defensive coordinator in 2021. He went to the Colts in 2022, face-on followed him, and now he's back. With the silver and black in 2023, join us now on the phone line. Speaking of defensive backs, Mark McMillan, Grilla McMillan, former NFL DB, joins the show. And Mark, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. And when it was this time of year for you, when you were playing, when it was training camp time, when the grass was was being cut, and you could smell it out there. How did it feel? What did it? What? How did it make you feel when you woke up in the morning?
0: Oh man, it made me
3: feel great. You know, there's something you work hard for. Uh even when I go out to training camp, man, I get I get a little juices flowing, man. I, I, I see myself, uh some people say, Man, whenever the ball is up in the air, you're you're making motions like you're still on the field. So I, I don't notice it, but I guess man, you, you just never lose that feeling.
2: Well, there's a reason why I stand next to you out there at practice because I, I like to one, pick the brain, and then I also do like to see the, the interactions that you have and, and the reactions that you have to certain plays like a tip ball. And you immediately make that motion almost like, hey, I got to go get that ball. And that's something me and you have talked a lot about that the Raiders need to get in the habit of when the ball's in the air, go get it. I haven't quite seen enough of that yet. How do you, be, how do you make that a habit if you're the Raiders?
0: Um,
3: You just got to want it, Q. It's just got to be something inside, man. It's got to be in your DNA. You know, it's almost like a receiver going up to get a ball. uh, Drake with a defensive back on him. It's like a D-lineman going after the quarterback, relentless like Max Crosby does. And for a defensive back, man, you have to go out there and want turnovers. There's incentives when you get interceptions. That's extra money in your pocket, let alone getting the defense off the field to give your offense a pretty good field position depends on where you're at.
2: Yeah, and that's something that the Raiders haven't been able to do enough the past few years. Six interceptions last year, six interceptions the year before. Obviously, that's not going to cut it. As far as, you know, in training camp, though, when when you were out there, you know, and you were practicing and you were getting ready for the upcoming season, I mean, was there practices where you just said, hey, I'm going to go try to get the ball, or was it just if the ball happened to be in the air, you went and attacked it?
3: Um, I was trying to go get every ball that went up in the air. Uh, you know, that was just our mentality back then uh as, as you can see Eric Allen with all those interceptions, you know, yeah. it was competition uh, in practice every day with me and EA I was like, man, I know he's gonna get one, so I gotta make sure I get two. So that was just our mentality and then we just transferred over into the game and hopefully the Raiders can do that, you know, picking up Marcus Peters who's uh who's you know, who is a ball hawk, you know, has a ton of uh interceptions in his career. Hopefully he can bring some of that mentality uh to the secondary. You know, they got some, some uh some veteran players that they got in free agency. So that hopefully that'll help out as well. But it's a mentality, man. And, uh, you know, six interceptions, man, Q, I had, t- I had eight or nine in one season.
2: You know, <laughs> and these guys,
3: the whole team didn't have but six. So that's, that's definitely got to improve.
2: There's no doubt about it. Mark McMillan is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Raiders defense right now. And, you know, I said earlier, and this is something I actually got from EA, he said that when he was with the Raiders, Willie Shaw was his defensive coordinator, and he said, hey, you got to go get 20 interceptions. That's the number. We're looking for 20 as a unit. And so that was their target. They went and tried to get 20, whether they got there or they didn't. That was the number that they tried. Did your defensive coordinators ever put a target number up there that, hey, this is what we have to do as a unit?
3: Um, no, we didn't have a target number. It was just you know obviously I played with Eric uh, you know a, a couple of years, about five and six years playing alongside him, and I knew e a was going to come up with like six or seven each year, right so you know I just had to put mines in the bank and had opportunity to play under Shaw as well uh, in New, in New Orleans with e a and that was the same mentality back then with the Saints man we're going to put a number on we're going to try to go out there and get it and you know If those numbers even out over the season, man, you're going to end up on the plus side of of the turnover margin, and that usually wins you ball games, close ball games
2: at that. How much do you think it's been hurting Nate Hobbs not to be out there? He practiced today. Well, he was out at practice today with the red non-contact jersey on, and he returned punts, but he hasn't practiced since he took a softball off the face. How much do you think that that's been hurting him?
3: Man, I, I know, you know, as a defensive back, you think everything is going to be okay. You think you're going to get your spot back. Uh, but this is the NFL, man, and I've been looking at some young guys out there in practice. I had an opportunity to do the uh, sports wrap on CBS yesterday, along with Sam Webb, you know, the young DB out of Missouri West, Western, mm-hmm. and just picking his brain a little bit about what's going on in the secondary and what is he looking for. Um, he said there's a lot of competition in that room, and, uh, you know, Nahobs, you know, he missed like, uh, what, last week, and now he's out there, you know, with his teammates, but every day you miss in camp, Q, that, that's Q, that's a... Uh, that's valuable. And right. you can't get those back. And, you know, the young guy out of Maryland, man, you know, uh, Jacarian Bennett, he's yeah. getting some reps the best
2: out of it yeah it's funny I, I told the story uh I don't remember what day it was that me and you were talking on the sideline and i said mark said Q, I was that guy right i was the guy that i was waiting for someone not to be out there just so i can get yeah. some extra burn and and there's a job that i could steal and i feel like that with that competition that you mentioned they got 11 defensive backs in that room 11 guys aren't gonna make the team there's a lot of competition there mark there's a lot and that's great
3: you know if you're a defensive coordinator you got to love that competition um because you know you're gonna The numbers gain and, you know, a little bit of politics and money plays a part in in guys making the roster. But, um, you know, you're going to have to cut some guys that should have made your ball club, but the numbers just didn't add up. So um, it's going to be a tough decision, um, you know, for the head coach and and for the coordinator of who they're going to let go and who they're going to bring back. Uh, You know, so it's going to be tough, man. And, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this league. And hopefully Nate Hobbs can can get some more reps and get out there. But I'm telling you, Q, that's number 29. Every time I see that guy line up in team and 101, he's not losing the battles.
2: Right. Right. No, he's not. And, and Ja'Korian Bennett so you're talking about, the rookie out of Maryland, as you mentioned. Uh, again, we're talking with Mark McMillan here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And so, Mark, we've both seen Coach have to tell him a couple times like to, to, to pull back a little bit because his training camp and he's going up against his other guys. Mark, I always say I'd rather have to tell a guy to pull back than try to urge a guy to, to play and, be, and compete a little bit more. So just continue to talk about Ja'Korian Bennett, what you've seen so far from him. Um, just confidence, you
3: know, he doesn't say too much, you know, he just goes out there and does his job. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of help from the veteran safeties, you know, with Epps and, and, and uh, you know, Marion. So he, he's doing a good job out there. And like I said, when the ball goes up in the air, he's trying to go get it. And, you know, obviously being late drafted, who should have been a higher draft pick in my opinion, um, you know, that's just a whole nother different story, but he's making the best of it. And, you know, if a coach got to tell you to calm down and practice, I'm still going 100 miles an hour because I'm trying to make the team, not only make the team, I'm trying to play on Sunday.
2: Right. Yeah, he, he's he's trying to show that he should start day one in Denver, right? Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's when I see him out there, that's what I look for. I look like a guy that says, I'm starting day one. When they take on the Denver Broncos, I'm going to be out there. So that's that's exactly what, uh, what he's looked like so far. How about – and I know that he's not a corner, he's a safety, but how about Trayvon Merrick? Uh, he's a guy that I've said a couple times to you – He's out there, yeah. but he's out there. Like, I, I don't, I haven't seen too much as far as playmaking. What have you seen from Trayvon? How big do you think this this training camp is for him?
3: Yeah, I, I need to see a little bit more out of him. You know, like you said, he's just out there, but you are going to make plays. And, you know, I, I haven't been out there all week, but out of the two practices I saw, I haven't really
1: seen anything.
3: You know, I've I seen Marcus Epps out there, you know, making some great calls, making some movement, being around the football, you know, competing in 101 as well. Uh being pissed off when a guy catches the ball on him, and, you know, that's just a mentality coming over from a winning program. And, you know, hopefully he can, uh, you know, help these guys out on the back end. But, Trayvon, man, you just can't be a guy out there. You know, you got to make some plays.
2: Yeah, he does, and that's been the knock on him so far. This is his third year, or headed into his third year in the NFL, just has not made enough plays. But Marcus Epps is a guy that so far what I've seen, I've liked. It hasn't been a whole lot yet, but, I mean, it seems like he gets it. It seems like he's that part. And, look, Dave Ziegler made him a priority free agent that they signed him right away when free agency opened up. What do you think he does bring to the table coming over from that team that competed in the Super Bowl a year ago?
3: Um, uh, a lot of knowledge. And, you know, when you have a guy on the back end who's usually the quarterback of the back end, uh, very smart, always in position. You look, you look at the film from him last year, he was around the ball a lot. And, you know, obviously the the Eagles had a lot of pressure on the ball, but I think the Raiders can get some, a lot of pressure as well with their number one draft pick with Max and Chandler Jones getting after the quarterback. Uh, but like I said, he's always around the ball. He's always talking, always vocal. So, you know, uh, as a young rookie, you know, that helps you out a lot when uh, a veteran safety can kind of line you up and kind of teach you the game as well. So I-, I think it's a great pickup for those guys.
2: Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, joins us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned Marcus Peters a little while ago. He's a veteran. He's got 32 career interceptions. That's uh, 26 more than the Raiders had as a team last <laughs> year. So, I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know, that Marcus <laughs> Peters is the guy that goes and gets <laughs> it. And, and the Raiders have lacked that. What, what all does he bring to the table as a veteran now? Um,
3: leadership. Um, you know, he's been playing in a, for, on that corner for a long time in his league. Uh, he's played in the different eras as well. So he's continued to be able to adapt. Um, you know, he just has to stay healthy. Um, you know, but having a guy like that that you know can go out there and, and make you a play, um, he's going to give up some plays because that's just the way he plays the game. He's aggressive. Uh, but if you throw over to his side too many times, uh, he's going to make you pay. And he's not just trying to intercept the ball, he's trying to score with the ball as well. So he brings a lot of leadership for those guys. Uh, I'm sure once he gets a little bit more comfortable, um, he'll be vocal out there on, on the practice field. And, uh, you know, guys need that because right. you can hear a pin drop out there on the field. You know, mm-hmm. and there's no, there's no squabbles, there's no fights, there's no tussles. You know, when training camp, you can see a little bit uh, scuffles of scuffles the guys getting pissed off as well.
2: Yeah, I, that's something I want to see is, or hear, really, is just guys being more vocal, louder, talking trash, like – Trash talk is fine, right? I mean, it, it lets you know, it lets everyone else know how much you care about what you're out there doing. And, Mark, I, I, you've been out there enough in practice. I, I don't hear a lot of talking and a lot of chirping.
3: Man, Q, if I was able, you know, it's just something about the Raider, about the silver and black, is just a mentality. Man, if I wore the silver and black, I would be out there chirping every play. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the fans like that. And, you know, if you're confident in your game, uh, you're going to be able to back it up with your play. And, right. you know, I just need – I just need a little bit something more from those guys. And, you know, I, I, too much buddy-buddy. You right. know, too many slaps uh, on the back, slaps on the helmet. Like, man, I, I'm trying to get your position. And, right. you know, I'm trying to make it better. And we need to compete like that. And uh, you look at, the, you know, some of the networks. You see a lot of fights in training camps. And mm-hmm. right now the Raiders, man, it's just like, you know, ho-hum. You know, it's hot. And that would be frustrating enough. You know, it's 110. I'm pissed off. And you can catch the ball on me. Oh, we scrapping. it.
2: Right, there's no doubt. You know who does actually bring a little bit of edge and you hear him chirping quite a bit? It's actually the smallest dude out there, Meek Robertson. He he, he, yeah. he, he brings it. What do you see in a Meek's game? He just somehow each and every year continues to make the team and, and, and make some plays. You saw him make some plays last season.
3: Yeah, he's the guy that, you know, always seems like he's being overlooked. And, you know, he was uh, solid in a lot of games last year, gave up some plays. Uh, in the eyes of the people looking outside, he's undersized. Uh, And he carries that on his shoulder. Uh, You see it in practice, man. He is competing his tail off. uh, And I'm sure he knows with these free agents coming in that, you know, his job is on the line. And, you know, for a guy uh, that can really cover, he's physical, um, he's quick. uh, So hopefully, you know, he can, uh, you know, land a roster spot. I saw him doing some pump returns as well. Uh, The more you can do, you know, to make the ball club. But, like I said, I'm a big fan of the underdog or the young guys and the small
2: guys. I'm not mad at that at all. Again, Mark McMillan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And that's Sarah Ruff. Just got a couple more uh, questions for you. You know, Marcus Peters does a really good job of baiting quarterbacks into bad decisions. You did a great job of obviously getting the ball, uh, you know, get, getting them to, to make a bad decision, and you jumped it and took it the other way. What is it? What goes into baiting that quarterback? How do you How do you bait a quarterback into a bad decision?
3: Um, it, it, it all works in the in the back end. You know, we had some good safeties that we were able to disguise coverages into the last minute. Um, it's all about assignment, alignment, down and distance. Um, you know, knowing what the quarterback likes to do. A lot of studying uh, and knowing what the quarterback likes to do in different situations. And you know, like I said, we had some really good safeties that were able to uh, feed off each other and uh, allowed me to gamble a lot and, and make plays. So, uh, Marcus Peters, you just see his mannerism, the way he goes out when they're in seven on seven. Uh, he's kind of just like laid back, kind of a little lazy. But at the last minute, he's jumping routes. So um, it's all about a mentality as well, Q. you got to want to go out there and, and, and make plays. Uh, you know, a lot of people are scared to be great in this league. You know, some guys just want to hang around. But uh, if you want to have your name uh, called and have your jersey worn by the fans, you got to go out there and make plays.
2: Yeah, no, you do, and that's what the Raiders need. That's why they brought in Marcus Peters. That's why they went out and drafted a Chris Smith. They went out and drafted a Jacorian Bennett. They, they want guys that can make plays and have that mentality from college, guys that got their hands on the ball in college, that can translate to the NFL getting their hands on the ball as well. Now, before I let you go, uh, a good friend of mine and good friend of yours, Jeff Kerr from uh, CBS, uh, he, he tweeted, Grilla McMillan on Kelly Green Day, and you said, you can't script this. I mean, tell tell us about it. It is Kelly Green Day. Tell us all about it as a former Eagle. Oh, man, it's like Christmas for us, man. Uh, <laughs> the people were lined up at 3 a.m.
3: outside the stadium, man, just to get them some some Kelly Green Eagle gear. Uh, for us old players, man, that, that wore that color, uh, it means a lot, man, for so many guys that wore the Jerome Browns, the Reggie Whites, uh, the Andre Waters, the Wes Hopkins, uh, you know, even, you know, Eric and, and Seth Joiner, Byron I can just go on. Ron Jaworski, you know, there's just a lot of guys that wore that Kelly Green. And, you know, for it to launch today, I'm excited. And I got a call from one of the guys from the Eagle Shop that they will be able to make the custom throwback 29 McMillan jersey. So I'm excited about that, too, man. So it's one of the coolest jerseys in the National Football League, man. I, I, I strongly agree with that. And obviously, you know, the Raiders, that silver and black man is pretty cool as well.
2: Well, I'll tell you, man. I saw the tweet that you put out. It was it was you and I believe your son, right, in, in the McMillan jerseys.
3: Yeah, that was my son, man. He's he's excited for it to come back as well. Um, my mom called me today. She's like, "About time they go back to jerseys now," because you know it was so long. But a lot of people lost their jerseys that I had. So everybody in the family, man, they're excited. They're texting me. You know, uh, obviously, I I don't have that NFL uh, paycheck anymore. So everybody's going to have to buy their own McMillan jersey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know that's right. Hey man, hey look, I I appreciate the support, but you got to buy your own. <laughs> exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, so what uh, on the Grell McMillan side of things? What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Oh man, I got uh, some
3: things in the work uh, with NASCAR. Uh, oh that's wow. Here and I, uh, you know, I've been asked to uh, participate, uh, possibly driving the pace car.
2: Uh, wow. For, for
3: the. For Asgard. I'm working on a uh, Grilla McMillan uh, event as well uh, at the uh, racetrack uh, that we're going to have a barbecue cook-off with some of the fans. And then one of you know my sponsors mm-hmm. at Grilla Grills and uh, you know Bear Mountain Barbecue, um, we're going to be able to give away some some charcoal, uh, hopefully give back some money uh, to, to a foundation here, uh, try to give back to my lift foundation for kids that has been harassed and bullied. Uh, so there's a lot going on, man. I'm excited. I hit the Chicago this weekend. Uh, to play in the tournament alongside the uh, world series MVP Jermaine Die nice. uh Phil Hall of Famer, Marcus Allen uh so you know we'll have my Gorilla McMillan barbecue sauce on hand as well so but the NASCAR event man that's huge man I'm excited about that
2: yeah no you should be man that's that's ex- I'm excited for you man that's going to be a lot of fun I remember Devonte Adams uh he drove the pace car uh here when it was uh in, in uh South Point South Point uh Raceway uh last year I so
3: love- I just don't hope I don't crash the car. I know those guys will going to be chomping at the bit. I'm going to be going 65, and those guys are going to be going like 180. <laughs> so, behind me, uh, just ready for me to move out of the way. So, I'm pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited, man.
2: Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So, are you doing the CBS coverage all season long as well? I'll be back with Ron and Chris and Logan, man. So, I'll be doing the Raiders pre- and
3: post-game show as well on CBS. So I'm excited nice. about that. They, they they wanted to have me back. Ain't that something, man? So I, obviously, I did something right. So, Uh, Good guys over there, man. I'm excited for it uh, to still be around football and uh, be able to be on the field and behind the scenes and interview some players. And, uh, you know, what you guys support, man, with Raider Nation, man, I appreciate you guys continue to have me on as well.
2: There's no doubt about it, man. You do a great job. You bring a lot of great insight. You know I appreciate you, and it's always great to uh, hang out with you on the sideline and check out a practice. So uh, thanks so much for your time, my man. I appreciate you.
3: All right. I appreciate you, Q. Y'all keep up the good work, man.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mark McMillan right there, former NFL defensive back, joining us to talk all things Raiders defense and kind of the mindset that goes into being a defensive back and making plays and getting turnovers, and he was one of the best to do it, man. Him and EA, they were great at what they did when they were together in Philadelphia. And We know how many interceptions, career interceptions, uh, Eric Allen had, and so just uh, it's, it's good to be able to pick the brain of guys that've been there, done that at the highest level, and know exactly what they're looking for. Like, I'm out there, and I have a good idea of what I'm looking for. I, I get frustrated when I see the ball tipped up in the air. Uh, we saw one on Saturday, as a matter of fact. I think I don't know if it was Chandler Jones or someone else who, who who knocked the ball down at the line of scrimmage, but it literally was tipped up in the air. And I didn't see anybody go get the ball. It just fell right to the ground. And I as I always do. And there's there's fans that were there on Saturday, so I don't know who probably saw me. And look, I'm not expecting anyone to watch me, but I'm sure somebody probably saw me look at either Vinny or Mark or whoever's standing next to me and be like, there's another one. You got to get that one. You got to get that one. Got to get in the mentality of going and getting the ball. Get C ball, get ball. Charles Woodson said it best: C ball, get ball. They've got to do it. But many thanks to Mark McMillan, who uh, did it at a very high level in the NFL for a really long time, and we appreciate him giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon. Three twenty is the time. As a matter of fact, it's uh. How about we do caller number nine? You want to do caller number nine right now? All right, let's do it. All right, let's we're gonna it. get you, we're gonna get you qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game, which is awesome. But It is a lot of summer of fun, and it's just one step closer to the grand prize, which is a week in New Mexico with a hot air balloon trip in Albuquerque, then three days in Santa Fe, plus $1,700 spending money. All that, all that in a bag of chips, right? That's a lot of summer of fun. We're going to get you the first step, which is qualified to win those four tickets to the Aviators game, 702-365-9200. We're looking for caller number nine because we're Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: I mean, I think we all know our – Front man trash talker here on the team, right? Uh, The condor. I mean, he's going to always do his thing. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live
2: from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Fullback, Jakob Johnson right there talking about Mad Max Crosby talking trash. And he does talk trash. We don't get to hear him a whole lot talking trash at practice, which is fine. Uh, but he's the guy out there that you know will talk some trash. I'd love to see, and maybe Marcus Peters will turn into that guy uh, for the team once he gets a little bit more comfortable, as we just talked to Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I'd like to hear him start doing some chirping, like really chirping, getting after these wide receivers, telling them that they ain't blank and talking about their mama or whatever the case may be, only because, not because I want to be entertained, but I just think that they need to have that kind of edge, right? I mean, I think that they need to have – That kind of, I want to shut this dude up. He's talking too damn much. And the way to shut him up is catch one on him. Like today, uh, who had the inter? or no, uh, Brandon Faison had a nice play on Devontae Adams. He broke up a pass with Devontae Adams uh, from Jimmy G to Devontae. It was a a good pass breakup. A couple plays later, Jimmy G, to his credit, hit Devontae on a deep shot. And who did Devontae beat? Brandon Faison. And Devontae ran over all the way to the end zone, kind of where we were standing on the indoor facility, and made sure to give us the gesture of, hey, write that down. Make sure you don't forget about talking about that. Because, look, on had a nice play, so Devontae went back. That's the kind of stuff I want to see more of. I want to see those guys chirping and getting after each other. Not that they're, you know, trying to be, you know, I'm trying to find a clean word to use, but not trying to be that guy to their teammates, but at the same time, just have a little edge. Like Mark McMillan said, he felt like there was just too many nice guys on the team. They got to have some edge to them as well. So definitely, uh, yeah, I I think that Max has that mentality. Marcus Peters obviously has that mentality. Probably need to see a little bit more, hear a little bit more from a few more of the guys. One quick text, and we'll hit the phone lines. This one's from the 408. Q, did he say Jermaine Dye of the A's? Oh, wow, that's a name from the past for the A's. He was talking about Mark McMillan when he said he was going to be in a tournament with uh, former, uh, what was it, World Series winner Jermaine Dye, and I almost stopped him there and said former Oakland A. Jermaine Dye, that's all I could think of. Another great player that, well, that organization let go because that's what they do. But, yeah, he definitely said Jermaine Dye, and that was the first thing I thought of. Former Oakland A, not former World Series winner, but former Oakland A, Jermaine Dye. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick as we have Eric Dahlberg, Summerlin South Jr.'s baseball all-star team manager calling in in a few minutes. But uh, let's talk to our guy, Raider Mack. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey,
0: what's up, Q? I, I see you saving houses now on commercials, man. That's, <laughs> That's what I do, man. That's what I do. Uh, no, hey, hey, whatever the money, wherever you can get the money, exactly, hey, you, do, you do it. Yep. Hey, Q, I think the offense is going to be more balanced. Okay. Um, I think with Josh Jacobs gone, I, I think they're going to try to try to run the ball a little bit. But Jimmy G is more of a – uh, a middle of the field type of guy, you know, 20 yards here, 15 yards no. And 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 they will throw it deep, but it's mostly uh and I won't say dink and dunk cuz that's not what he did in San Francisco. If you go look at his per average, he was throwing it down the field but it, 20 yards, 20 yards to 15 yards medium. So it's a, it's going to be a balanced offense. I think 38 runs here, or you know, 22 runs depending on what 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 kind of game plan cuz you know the, the um Last year, we, we ran the ball and, and passed the ball, depending on the team um, we were playing, too. So it, that's going to depend on a, a lot of that. But I think we're going to be more balanced. balance. Hey, hey, Q, here, here's one thing I, I, I agree with you, man. There's no pet bulls. We got too many poodles out there. We need some pet bulls in practice. Hey, man, get into a fight. Do something. I know back in the old days, and I know people going to say, oh, you always talking about the old days. But back in the old days, they picked fights just to get the team fired up. And I don't see nothing like that with the Raiders right now. And it's like we soft. I don't know why. I don't know what, what – and when I say soft, I mean we we just don't have that toughness that we had, you know, back in back in Oakland and back in the days. We got to get that back. That's what the Raiders about mean. But we don't have that. And last – thank you. How is Rondé Barber – and I'm I'm just – and I'm not hating on Rondé Barber or anybody in the Hall of Fame, but how is Lester Hayes not in the Hall of Fame and you pick Rondé Barber? There's no way Rondé Barber is better than, Les- than Lester Hayes. And none of them corners or anybody in in, in that class right now better than Lester Hayes. And, and I'll hang up on that, man. That's just ridiculous. The Hall of Fame should be ashamed of themselves and stop putting, like Deion Sightner said, stop putting in just people just to put them in.
2: Got gotcha. you. Hey, Raider Mac, good stuff, man. I appreciate you. And I agree with you 100% when it comes to Lester Hayes. I definitely think he should be in the hall. And unfortunately, he did not make the cut for another year. And that's talking about 2024. We'll get back to some conversation regarding the silver and black. But join us now on the phone lines, as promised, is Eric Dahlberg, Summerlin South Junior Baseball All-Star Team Manager. And uh, Eric, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I know you and your team must be excited to get an opportunity to head out to Bend, Oregon. And uh, if you win there, you have an opportunity to go out to Michigan and compete in the Little League World Series. How fired up and excited is your team? Uh, absolutely, thank you for having me on. Uh,
1: we are very excited. It's been uh, it's been a, a great summer for the kids so far. You know, we started this journey out uh, in early June uh, when we formed our team, and uh, we made it to the district tournament, uh, beating a good Perump team uh, in the championship game, and that sent us to state, which we ended up winning, uh, sweeping through state. So the journey's taken us, uh, you know, to to different towns that we haven't haven't been to yet, and now we're we're looking forward to taking that journey to Bend, Oregon.
2: How fun has it been, though, just putting together this team and, and this opportunity that you guys have? And, I mean, this is when you're an all-star, you're an all-star for a reason, right? You're the really good of the really good players, right? So I'm sure that all these guys have so much pride and excitement and and love to do what they do. But just putting this whole thing together, how much fun has this been for you? Uh, for me, it's been a blast,
1: right? I've, I, I got to do it when I was
2: younger, uh, when I was their
1: age, about 14. And it's something I remember. You know, I still remember this day, and I still have friends from it. Uh, you know, from those days playing and, uh, now to be able to do it with my son and, uh, and, and this team, uh, it's really been a, a blessing really, you know, I've, uh, uh, I've been lucky to be around the baseball game, basically my whole life coaching it and playing it. Um, and, and, you know, I love the values that little league brings, uh, you know, there's a lot of different baseball organizations out there, but, um, you know, we decided to come back to little league for this experience itself, you know, just because it's such a, a unique, uh, once in a lifetime experience and. And we told the boys uh, when we started in June, you know, if, um, if you guys do this right and you work hard and you practice hard and you put in the work uh, and you buy into kind of what we were working with, um, you know, it would be a summer that they'd never forget, and, and they're definitely getting that right now.
2: It sounds like they bought in pretty quickly as well, and I'm sure with 14-year-olds that's not easy, right? I mean, <laughs> it's not easy for anyone to just buy in, but uh, it seemed like they did come together pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of distractions nowadays, especially you right. know, social media, TikTok, you know, Fortnite, video games, <laughs> and that's uh, I think that's what makes it seem so tight. Is you know, I, I hear them on the phone and on their headsets, you know, uh, after practice, you know, they and they talk about after practice, they we're going to go home, we're going to get on video games, and we're and they hang out and they go to the movies together, uh, and they and they all you know they have their group chat. So I mean, they came together really, really quickly. A lot of these guys have have played together before, but. Uh, not all of them. So, you know, there's some definitely some personalities and we don't have, you know, uh, the, the thing I love about our team is we don't have a, a, a lot of superstars. We have a lot of really, really good baseball players and, uh, you know, for them to kind of buy into what we were doing and, and, and work hard at every practice, you know, really has really showed.
2: Again, we're talking with Eric Dahlberg, Summerlin South Jr.'s baseball all-star team, head coach here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So let us know about your team, man. What, like you said, you have a bunch of really good players, not any real big superstars that are kind of above the team. It's all, it's all one big unit. How do you guys play? Is it kind of the – is it a home run or bust? Is it the style that I used to like where it was, uh, you know, manufacturing runs? Uh, how do you guys go about uh, scoring your runs and winning your games? You know, we definitely manufacture runs. Uh, nice.
1: we, we, we put a lot of plays into uh, a lot of plays in the system that we run during games because, you know, at this age, it's uh, they've moved up to the bigger base paths and 90 foot bases. So they're on a normal sized field, you know, just like uh, just like any other baseball field, you know, after 14. So, um, you know, we definitely we, we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of guys hitting the ball over the fence just because, you know, we're hitting it's 320, 330 now to some of those some of yeah. those left field lines. So, um, you know, we definitely play a lot of small ball. We bunt a lot. Uh, nice. We, you know, we've we, and I'm a big proponent of the bunt and the squeeze. And you know, we've used it a lot. We use a lot of first and third uh, run plays. Uh, they're smart base runners. But really, our pitching has carried us. Um, and I'll stack our pitching up, you know, against against anyone. You know, and I said that from the beginning. And I and I think we would uh, heading into regionals. You know, against uh, those teams in regionals, we have a lot of a lot of arms and uh, guys that can shut down. You know, our our I would say one of our our aces, Alex Vu. Um, you know, he he closed out our district championship win, and he closed out our state championship win. And The kid throws hard, and when he's on, he's he's on. And uh, Teavani Vera, one of our one of our uh, most uh, consistent pitchers, you know, he commands the strike zone and gives us a chance to win every time. So you know, we we, we stack those guys up, and we can manage our pitching enough. Uh, you know, he always gives us a
2: chance to win. I'll tell you what, Coach, baseball is so much fun, and it's, it's funny that you joined us on the show today. Myself and a couple of my buddies, we went to a, a batting cage yesterday, and we were trying to relive our right. little league, and we were trying to be those all-stars again, act like we were 14. I'll tell you <laughs> what, my body didn't act like it was 14 this morning. <laughs> no. I do the same thing. It's, uh, you know,
1: I'll step in every now and then in practice, and and I'll step in against some of our pitchers, and, you know, it's not the same I uh, as it was. and I played in a, I went to Bonanza, and I played in a uh, – in an alumni game in, in February, and I was definitely feeling it the next day. Uh, you know, afterwards, it's you know, it's there's a, there's a reason that the young kids play it for uh, as long as they do because, uh, and and that's what I tell them. You know, ride it till the wheels fall off. Play this game as long as you can.
2: Yeah, it's so much fun. And, and, you know, even with any kind of organized sport as, as a young person, you're also building and creating relationships for life. And, and, you know, I know that it's about winning and you guys want to go to the World Series and you guys are actually raising funds right now to, to help your trip to Oregon and everything. But how much, how important is it to also build those those bonds that will last a lifetime?
1: Man, I'm you know, I, like I said, I played it. I, I played All-Stars when I was younger. Um, I was lucky enough to do so for a couple of years. And I still have friends, you know, from, from those teams. You know, I was talking to one of my buddies recently, and I told him, you know, this, this reminds me of that summer. It was my freshman year of high school uh, summer. And I said, it reminds me of that summer, you know, getting the tour, the state of Nevada. And, and we went to Idaho at the time for regionals, and we were one game away from the World Series at the time. Um, and it's just something that, you know, I, I still remember every pitch almost, you know, from my at-bats and the big at-bats and the wins and, uh, and the bonds that we made. I mean, I'm still, like I said, I'm still friends with those guys. And and I can see it in these kids, you know, the, the fact that they're they're hanging out all the time together and that, you know, they're going to not every one of them is going to the same school. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think they're always going to have that bond that they made this run together. Um, you know, whether whether we advance, you know, in, in regionals or not, which I think we have a good chance. You know, so uh, even you know, everything, everything from here on out's gravy for sure. But uh, I think I think to answer your question, I think uh, they'll always be friends for life
2: yeah that's that's the most important thing obviously you know raising the young men up in the in the community as well and that'll be something that they'll be able to carry with them forever but as i mentioned uh you guys are actively raising funds to help pay for the trip to oregon uh what what all are you guys doing and and how can anyone help out oh i appreciate you asking uh so it's we're we're, uh, we have a sponsorship link up on our page
1: which is uh uh, summerland south and if you go to the sponsorship um opportunities page on there there's there's a, a spot to help out if if you uh, would like to donate, and and we've had some, uh, you know, we've we've gotten some funds so far. You know, it's an expensive trip. Uh, yeah. A lot a lot of people expected to to be making these trips to, uh, <laughs> to. We went to Fernley for state, and then we had to, and then we're going to uh, to Oregon. So, you know, this run's been a blessing, but also it is very very expensive for for a lot of our families. Um, and we've had some great help with some community partners. The uh, Las Vegas Aviators donated to us. Nice. Um, you know, we've we've had. Uh, a lot of help from some people so far, but you know our goal was to really get every kid covered for their flight and uh, and lodging for the week. And um, yeah, you know, we're we're all flying out tomorrow uh, to head up there, and uh, and we're staying for at least six days, hopefully longer. Nice. We booked our trip for six, seven days. Some of us, uh, some of them are going to get to miss school, their first days of school. You know, which is. Uh, you know, exciting for them. So, you know, that's why I told them, I said, you keep playing, you keep missing school.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. That'll give them motivation to, to definitely keep playing. For sure. And playing at their best. Well, that's that's great, Coach, and we're definitely, we'll definitely tweet out the link as well uh, to, to for anyone to, to help out if they can because, again, uh, we always want our kids to participate in these kind of things, but none of this stuff is cheap. It's not, and I know that the coaches put in a lot of work and you guys put in a lot of your own money as well to help provide, so we definitely appreciate that. I just think it's so important. For the youth to have an opportunity to do stuff like this, which is a positive, and keep them out of anything else, like you said, there's a lot of distractions in life. Let's keep them away from the negative distractions and get them into stuff like this. For sure, for sure. I'm
1: like I said, Little League is a great organization. You know, whether it's it's uh, you know we're up here in Summerlin, or it's you know there's there's you know there's a bunch of them around town. So you know, any anybody interested in Little League, or you know, if, if any listeners out there, the kids who are interested in playing baseball, I would I would. Uh, I would encourage them to sign up for Little League. Uh, it really is a great, uh, it's a great community experience. You know, we have, you know, the tons and tons of friends from over the years from doing Little League. I do Little League softball and baseball, nice. and uh, I've made so many friends and and so many, uh, you know, uh, lifelong friends I think over the years. So, and, and the kids have as well. So, I think it's very very important for them.
2: Nice. Well, Coach, before I let you go, I got to ask you the million dollar question, man. Who was your favorite baseball player as you were growing up? Uh, my favorite player was
1: Ryan Sandberg. Uh,
0: Ooh!
1: I'm a big Cubs fan. I grew up WGN, uh, Las Vegas. You know, we half of my half of my friends were Cubs fans. Half of them are Braves fans because we got TBS and WGN yeah. here. Yeah, uh, My summers were spent watching WGN, watching Harry Carey, Steve Stone, oh, and wow. Ryan Sandberg. Man, I was I was a huge. Uh, I was a second baseman, and I always looked up to him.
2: Yeah, no, he he was awesome. And It is so funny because most people that just kind of briefly looked at his name and and you know watched him play obviously knew he was a great player but most people called him ryan instead of ryan right <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure yeah i remember making a sign i my parents took me to wrigley
1: field and uh you know, he was called Rhino, and they and they, and they reminded me, you know, it's not Ryan, it's Ryan. So we had, we made the sign to make sure we spelled it right.
2: Yeah, he was a he was a great player growing up, man. Watching him, he was fantastic. I remember watching the Braves. I used to give my mom a bad time. She's a Giants fan, and I used to when the Braves and Giants were in the same division. I used to always hit her with the tomahawk chop, and oh, <laughs> she used to, it used to drive her crazy. Coach, she's mad at me right now for saying it. I promise. <laughs> Man, that was huge in the '90s. I remember that as well, for you kids. For sure. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, Coach, thanks so much. Hey, man, have a great time in this in this run. You and your team, like I said, we'll tweet out that link. So if anyone could help out, they do. But we definitely appreciate you. We're rooting for you guys as well. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Coach. There he goes. It's Eric Dahlberg, Summerlin South Juniors baseball All Star team joining us. And again, I I mean it from the bottom of my heart when I say it's so important to get our youth involved in in stuff that is distracting but not negative distractions and so these guys are going on a run uh, you know they have an opportunity to go play in the the Little League Juniors World Series in Michigan they got to go to Oregon first and get through that and uh, keep on playing man and so I root for them it goes back to my my time as an all-star I only made the all-stars once when I played baseball and my coach didn't even want me to be on the team so I, I root for <laughs> I root for these guys and their success and it's nice to have coaches that are supporting their players instead of leaving their their players sitting on the porch waiting to get picked up like my coach did me, but that's a story for another day, so we definitely appreciate uh, Coach uh, Dahlberg joining us again from the Summerlin South Juniors baseball all-star team, shout out to my man Will Kiss, whose son plays on the team as well, he's a PR guy for the Raiders, he's the lead PR guy for the Raiders and does a hell of a job, so we definitely appreciate him as well, 342 is the time, let's go ahead and go to the phone lines real quick, Ari, we got a quick second, let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our good friend, T3 Raider Facts, welcome to the show, what's on your mind, my man? Hey Q, how you doing this evening? I'm blessed, brother. Hey, you know,
3: all this stuff,
2: all this talk about Aaron Rodgers and, uh, and Sean Payton,
3: it's kind of humorous, actually, but I've been telling people all along, Sean Payton is a great coach, but I think that people that think he's going to come in and instantly change things in Denver, I think that's overrated, mm-hmm. just like the Chargers are overrated every year. Yeah, um, Payton's a good coach, and, and I'll give him credit. And I think that there are some good things that can be done this year
2: in Denver, but he's not going to turn this thing around. Cool. Thank you, T3, for the call, and I I don't think he turns it around fast either. I do think that they're going to be better. I don't think he gets it turned around real quick, and that's why I think when he fired those shots at Nathaniel Hackett and fired those shots at the Denver organization, I think he was giving himself an out, right? One, he was trying to save Russell Wilson because he needs him to have confidence. So he can't say, oh, yeah, this guy's a blank show because he needs that blank show to be good. So he's going to give him the best opportunity to be a good quarterback again. So that's one of the reasons why he fired the shots. The other reason he fired the shots is because if he doesn't succeed right away, you know what he can go back and say? Well, I told you guys how bad of a, a place this was, how much I had to change this around. And sometimes that's the truth. Sometimes, that, you know, hey, look, the, the culture is so bad that it's going to take a, time, a, a while to get things turned around. But he didn't have to go out there and publicly say that. I don't think attacking Nathaniel Hackett and attacking the Jets at right now, I don't think that was a good move. But when he went out there and said what he said, he did it for that exact reason. He did it to save Russell Wilson, and he did it to try to save himself just in case, you know, things didn't get turned around. So when Aaron Rodgers, you heard him on that that rejoin that Ari played, and Aaron Rodgers just said, hey, he's, he's setting himself up uh, for, you know, just in case he doesn't succeed, he was spot on. Like, Aaron Rodgers was spot on when he said that, and it's not very often that I say Aaron Rodgers is spot on about anything, but – There's a couple times so far this offseason he's been spot on. So, T3, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Want to get back to the Raiders' offense and what do you think they look like under Jimmy G? How do you think he executes it? How do you think that everything looks as opposed to what it looked like a season ago? 344 is the time. This is Red Nation Radio 920.
0: Not at all. Not at all. You, you will never catch me doing that. You no, know, Max is on person. He's unique. But uh, I would never walk around with no shoes, no socks. He said
2: yesterday
0: that he thinks utensils are like for soft people. And that's okay. <laughs> but I eat, you know, if you eat spaghetti with your hands, that's pretty nasty. You're listening to
2: Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Falcons tight Kyle Pitts right there talking about new Falcons wide receiver Matt Collins, who, of course, was a Raider last year. And the Falcons and their media is learning what we learned around this time last year, that Matt Collins is a different dude. He doesn't wear shoes. He walks or runs to, to work. He doesn't drive to the facility. He lives near the facility. He'll just run to or walk. If he has his shirt on, then he's approachable. If he doesn't have his shirt on, he's not approachable or vice versa. It's one of the things. He has a lot of different – quirks about himself, but it's so funny as I've seen the reaction, I think that was last week when the, the information came out about Matt Collins talking about utensils and needing utensils for soft people as I started to see that, that, uh, you know, that information over Twitter and everything, all I could think about is, yeah, everywhere Matt Collins goes that media learns about who he is and it's, it's about a run that everybody will start talking about him oh, he's funny, he's quirky, he's this and that, he's a different dude and he is, he's a cool guy you know, it's just – but it's funny, like, that's the storyline about Matt Collins, no matter where he goes. Last year it was in Vegas with the Raiders. This year it's in Atlanta with the Falcons. So that's uh, that was Kyle Pitts reacting to Matt Collins and the news about him. Or not news, but just what he was saying, uh, as he always does. Again, we threw out there the question uh, on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r r uh, What do you think the Raiders' offense looks like with Jimmy G? How do you feel like he executes it? You know, just kind of what all – goes into it. Snakeman said on the on the Double text line, want to see the screen game improve. Best way to neutralize a pass rush. Never cars forte. Raiders have JJ Zeus and now Tucker. Who will be the James White in this offense? That's from Snake Man. Thanks so much for that text. I appreciate you. You know, I think Amir Abdullah has a chance to to be that guy. Um, you know, obviously Jacobs Jacobs had a lot of he had a lot of the the first down draw plays, which was kind of the most in the, the NFL, I do believe, from a year ago. And that was a way that they were able to neutralize uh, the pass rush as well. But the screen game is something that I think all of us have been screaming about for a long time. Uh, they need to be able to do that. They did a lot of that during preseason and training camp last year, and they still didn't do as many screens as I thought they were going to do. Uh, but Josh McDaniels, that's a big part of that offense is the screen game. So something that Josh Jacobs could do really well, something that, you know, Zamir White I think could do okay. Uh, but a guy like Amir Abdullah, uh, guys like uh, you know Brandon Bolden, uh, they're good at that stuff as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how much the screen game is used. Because if you remember last training camp, it was a big time emphasis. That was something that they did quite a bit in preseason and something that we saw a lot of during training camp. So yeah, the the uh, the screen game is going to be very important in this offense. Got a text from the nine one three. This is what training camp is for. I think the offense will be better than last year's. We weren't very efficient throwing the ball last year with a fairly healthy run game. 180 passes to Tay and only 100 completed. Can't happen again. I also think we'll complement the defense better with better red zone efficiency and fewer three and outs. Uh, That's a great text. Thank you for that. And the reason I say it's a great text is we kind of had a conversation about that at the facility today. It was me and Vinny and Hondo and Hondo had brought up the targets. Like you mentioned, 100, I believe it was 175 uh, targets to, to Devontae Adams, and he had 100 catches. And what I wanted to push back, and I'm not pushing back, like, trying to in a disrespectful way, but I do, I, I hate the target, targets to the wide receiver as a stat. And the reason I hate that is because all targets aren't created equal. And what do I mean by that? If a, and this is something that I don't remember what wide receiver was brought it up last year, but there was a certain wide receiver. Oh, no, I do remember now. It was Bryce Butler, former Raider Bryce Butler. He was talking to me about this in the press box last year during a game, and he was saying how he hates the targets as a stat for a wide receiver, like like you're talking about Devontae Adams, 180 targets, 175 targets, because the, what it was is Carr threw the ball away. It was, a throw, it, was, it was an obvious throwaway. He was under pressure, and he just threw the ball out of bounds. And Devontae Adams happened to be standing near the sideline. So that was a target to Devontae, when in real, reality it wasn't. Right? There's a lot of those. If you go back and actually look, like if you think for, the, for you know, in, in, in reality that there was 80 balls thrown to Devontae that he didn't catch. You know what I mean? Like, think about that. There weren't 80 incompletions thrown to Devontae Adams. There was 80 balls thrown or 75 balls thrown in his vicinity that he didn't catch. There was obviously some that he didn't catch. There was a couple sidelines that he didn't get his toes down or he juggled the ball or whatever, but not 75 incompletions worth. And, again, this is not a pushback on the texter. It was just it was just what Bryce Butler had brought up to me about the fact that they put a target down for anything. Like if, if if it's a busted play and I just throw the ball away and Devontae Adams happens to be standing in the area, that's a target. When in, in reality it wasn't. If they throw the ball into the ground like, a, like a, just a give-up play – it, it, that's a target to whoever's standing there. That's not really a target. That's a that's a throwaway. So they need to redefine and refine that uh, that stat because it's not really realistic. So the ones where he, it's an actual catchable ball, that's different. So out of the eighty that he didn't catch, how many were actually catchable? That's that's the real question, right? And again, this is not a pushback on the texter because he's you know you're just going off of the the numbers and you're not wrong. But I wish that they would make that more definitive and more as a matter of fact, right? There's not, uh, there's not 80 balls Devontae Adams didn't catch last year. There they weren't real 80 targets that he had that, uh, you know, he had a possibility of being able to catch. Now, again, I think that it'll be efficient. The passing game will be more efficient because you'll see a lot more of the short passing game, right, short and intermediate. I don't think they'll see as many deep shots. But, yeah, man, those throwaways are the most frustrating thing. And I can't remember what game it was, but Bryce Butler, every time there was one, he was like, see, now that's going to be called a target. That ain't no target. That was a throwaway. And I'm like, yeah, and and really it took a former wide receiver to have to point that out because I didn't think of it like that. I just thought of it as, well, I could look at the stats and say, hey, Devontae caught 12 passes on 18 targets, when in reality it might not necessarily have been 18 targets. 3.55 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. It's Red Nation Radio 920.